Hello and welcome to Connected episode 280. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, Pingdom, Health IQ, and Bowl and Branch. My name is Stephen Hackett and I am joined by Mr. Federico Fatici. Hello, Stephen. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you today? I'm good. Yes. Yeah. Let's see mm-hmm. if we can keep this trend up. Mike, how are you? Buongiorno. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why? Care to explain? Just uh, sometimes I hear your voice and I get inspired. Uh, I thought and you I, missed Europe already. And I wished I was. That's. I can't believe you. You wait. Would do was that, that a Brexit? <laughs> I can't nice. believe you would do that to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I Why love would you. you do that? Why would you do that? It just. It what just is came wrong out, with you? It just. It just fell off my tongue. Why would you? You know, it happened on my birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday! I'm so sorry. Why would you do that? I just, I just went through like my first passport check. You know, I apologize. Coming from Europe into England, nothing's changed. People think it's changed. Nothing's changed yet. Nothing will change. But you're not eating your children yet, or you know, no, no, no. things are going to change, but like not for a long time, if anything, ever, because it's still terrible. I can't believe you'd do that to me. Why is this how we're starting the show now? You just remind me of no, Brexit. No, I, I regret the error. Yeah, I, I wish I could take it back. Federico Fatici Enterprises apologizes for the error. I am sorry if I caused you any inconvenience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Speaking of inconvenience, can we talk about Twitter for iPad? Uh, do we have to? Yeah, they fixed it. They well, <laughs> they quote unquote fixed it. They fixed it by going back. Well, by offering you. So we complained about the Twitter for iPad at app. length over multiple weeks. Over multiple weeks, mm-hmm. and there was a whole. You could call it a whole campaign on Twitter of connected listeners sending us ideas for how to get rid of the Twitter sidebar, and some very enterprising listeners actually wrote their own apps uh, to fill very famously filler. Um, of course, is an entire new category of apps uh, that fill one side of the screen with useful or not so useful content. Now, Twitter for, tw- the Twitter team seems to have caught on the criticism and they rolled out, I think a few days ago, an option in settings. So if you go to your Twitter, uh, you open the Twitter app, you go to your Twitter account settings and you choose display, I believe it's the the section, you can now find a toggle that lets you disable the search column, which is a sidebar containing trends and the hashtags that we were complaining about. And when you when you flip that switch, the search column goes away and you effectively revert to the old design of Twitter for iPad, which is not a good design, by the way, because it's a it's a, it's such a wasted space. Right, but uh, now but this this should like, you know, the, all of the people that were working on things to put on the sidebar you can still do this like but make these useful right like so you know we were talking about have like a an ios app or whatever that can let you save tweets and i don't know do something with them Mm -hmm. you could still work on those because we could still it would still be great to have some kind of like dedicated app that lives on the right hand side to actually make twitter more useful but I'm just super happy about this because now I don't have to ever worry about seeing the trends and that I don't want to see. It's great. I'm so happy about it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just, yep. genuinely, I, 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 I'm very happy to, to have done this. I'm very s- surprised that they did this because 
this doesn't make sense for them because they are very clearly, they want the searches and the trends because they want people clicking on them, right? Drive that hashtag engagement. But they've obviously, li- I'm just genuinely like, I'm, I'm thankful that they have listened to the complaints of their users, which is for a company of their size or whatever, is not something that I would have expected. So like, I am genuinely really thankful that they have made this change because yes. it, it is genuinely like them caring about user experience over engagement so i'm surprised they've done this and i am whoever did it especially if that person is a connected listener like i am very thankful that they have made that change so i appreciate it yes we are thankful and i wanna i agree with mike uh you still have work to do but uh, I do appreciate the fact that there's now an option because maybe some people liked the search column, but I'm guessing that most iPad users didn't. So I'm glad that it's now possible to to disable that. Thank you mm-hmm. for listening. Mm-hmm. That said, I still believe that Twitter for iPad app has a lot of untapped potential in terms of taking advantage of the screen. Uh, just today I retweeted... Um, a very quick concept by one of the developers of Lookup, the dictionary app for iPhone and iPad. Uh, its name is Vidit, and Vidit put together a very. Um, uh, it, it's a quick mockup. It's a quick concept. It's not like a full-on, <laughs> you know, concept video or anything. It's just a single animation, uh, but it shows you how on the iPad, the Twitter, the Twitter app could let you tap on a tweet. And that tweet would create a panel on the right side of the screen and it would sort of fly in from the right side so that you could expand the tweet to see more details and follow the conversation and engage with the retweet and and like buttons and basically get more details out of that tweet. And I was looking at that concept and I thought, well, this looks familiar. And then I realized, oh, this is what the original Twitter for iPad. He's made a design. new version of the original, <laughs> the OG Twitter for iPad app, which had all those sliding panels. Um, but it was like super weird. Mm-hmm. But well, it was weird. No, no, no. Like it was weird, <laughs> right? Not like super weird, though. I mean, it was. There was nothing else like it. I remember at the time. This was, and it was. It was just like yes. It, it was, was a very confusing, <laughs> and but but ultimately useful application. But at the, I remember at the time, many people, including myself, thought that it was a very strange design for an iPad app at the time. But look, you know what, Federico? They don't need to do any of this. They, if they just implement multi-window... I know. Then it's great, right? Like, let's just do multi-window. Yeah, just do multi-window. You don't need to come up with your own design, uh, unique animations. Just support multiple windows, and in one window, I can keep the timeline, yeah. and in another, I can keep whatever I want. Yeah. Maybe I just want to, sh- to stare at my profile all day. Maybe I just want a window with Mike's profile and look at Mike's tweets and followers, you know? Uh, I should be able to do that if I want to. It's the principle of it. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, we are glad that uh, the Twitter for iPad app Very was glad. fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, why is there an item that says Google AMP versus Tichi in our document? Well, some people were unhappy with your take on AMP. And mm. I wanted you to have a chance to address that. And there was a shortcut that uses JavaScript to load mm-hmm. the full mm-hmm. URL if you end up on an AMP page, which was cool. And I was hoping that you had taken that for a drive and could tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, you know, 
the person who made the shortcut, uh, Louis, uh, works at Apple <laughs> and I believe works on the team that made this integration happen. So they would know how to use this. <laughs> uh, I was sort of hoping this would be the kind of feedback we would get. Um, <laughs> yes, this is, a, this is a perfect example of uh, the advantage of being able to run JavaScript in Safari. Uh, you can now do things like uh, loading the canonical URL uh, of the, the canonical URL will be the real URL of a web page and uh, loading that in the current window instead of having to tap the little eye icon uh, in the AMP toolbar, uh, you can just run it from the share sheet, which means you can just keep your thumb at the bottom of the screen. You don't need to reach out and find a tiny icon in the upper corner, especially if you have a big phone. Uh, I think this is so much more convenient. Um, also, I was reminded that Safari tries to find the canonical URL as much as possible. For example, uh, in search results, if you long press to get the context menu preview of a web page, so if you long press on a search result, Safari will try to load the preview for the canonical URL, for the canonical web page. So the preview will be the non-AMP version. And if you expand the preview, it should take you directly to the non-AMP canonical web page. But if you just tap on a search result, then Google will take over and it'll show you the AMP web page instead. So the shortcut is amazing. Thank you, Louis, and thank you. We got a bunch of other versions, but I wanted to I wanted to link this one because it feels like the it feels like you know it's coming directly from the source, you know? Uh, so uh, the the criticism that we got. I mean, is there what's what's the criticism? I would like at this point in the show to make a point of order. Uh huh. So like, there's this. I like the thought here. Somebody at Apple tried their best to give you the proper URL right in the share sheet or whatever because they think that maybe AMP isn't that great. I would like to raise the point of order of Apple News links mm. because your boy over here deleted Apple News from his phone because. He doesn't want to have to deal with headlines popping up all over the place, you know, as, as mm. if it's difficult. So you play whack-a-mole with turning it off, right? So your boy is your boy is you. Your boy is me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because um, I'm your boy, right? Who else would it be? Yeah. Yes. You're my boy. Yeah. Could have been Casey. Well, yeah. But I said over here as well. I don't know where Casey is. Well, that's true. Actually, mm. nobody does. Is Casey there? He could mm. be anywhere. Mm. Nobody knows. But anyway. So I deleted Apple News. So if somebody has an Apple News link and I tap that link, all I get is the prompt of you should just reinstall Apple News. And it's like, well, no. How about <laughs> oh, no. you give me a way to go to the website instead? But no. So if somebody tweets an Apple News link, the best I can do is Google the headline because I can't do it. There's nothing else I can do with it. So thanks. That really shouldn't be a thing, right? Like... I feel like I should be able to get the URL some way, and I find it very frustrating. Now that you mention Apple News, uh, we are in the process of, and, and I'm sure that I will annoy some people, but we are in the process like of... Like me, probably. No, not at all. I think you... Honestly, honestly I think you won't care. Oh, no. okay, good. Um, uh, but we are in the process of removing the Apple News integration from Mac Stories. Oh, no, that makes me happier. Oh, okay. It does? Well, yeah, because I don't ever want to have to deal with it, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think you were reading Mac stories in Apple News anyway. Well, I, yeah, because I didn't have it in installed. Yeah, so we're doing it mostly for us because the plugin that we're using 
for to enable Apple News integration. Well, first of all, first of all, you know my stance on uh, on plugins in general and like external dependencies. I like to control my stuff as much as possible. Uh, but really, the plugin was slowing down our CMS hmm. by a considerable amount. <laughs> like every time we were hearing publish, we had to wait like twenty seconds for the for example for an article to actually tweet via the Mac Stories account. And it often led, especially with long articles, publishing to Apple News with the Apple News format, it often led to like s- slow loading times and errors and you know it's just not not a good experience. But really nobody's using it. <laughs> like, we can look at our stats, and Mac Stories readers, they read Mac Stories either via RSS or via the website. And the amount of people, the number of people that we're getting from Apple News is a very, very, very low amount that is smaller, surprisingly, than Flipboard. <laughs> we have, <What>? I guess, <laughs> a, yeah, Flipboard <laughs> wow. is, to this day, still one of our top referrals after of course google and twitter you, like really highly rated in flipboard wasn't there like a thing i seem to remember that so we're talking seven years ago maybe like a cure like a curator yeah but i think what you're thinking of is i had also like i was a recommended user in pocket so maybe we are confusing mm, the two things maybe i don't know but i i was a flipboard curator or something i don't know still we got more people from flipboard than from apple news so but from flipboard we don't have to do anything it just uh flipboard takes our rss feed and creates a you know magazine like layout or whatever apple news if you want to use apple news format requires you to have either to hand code your integration or to use a plugin and the plugin is terrible so we don't want to invest on a manual integration because it's not worth it so what we're going to do is what basically every <laughs> website does we're going back to the standard rss mirroring from our website to apple news your icon is so old on flipboard oh yeah it's like a million generations of mac stories old it's like a Oh, it's the gray one. The the like oh the, my the God. gray one with the shadows and like the weirdly t- like placed M. Look at that! We got sixty five thousand followers. That's why. That's more than we have on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> for Mac stories, people people want that sweet flipboard content. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, um, it's just not worth not worth it, you know. And I know that there's a there's a few Apple News format. Uh, diehards out there. It's like, yeah, if you don't support the Apple News format, I will stop reading Mac stories, and that's fine. Like, if if you stop reading Mac stories because we don't support your favorite proprietary type of format, maybe you don't really like Mac stories. Maybe you don't really like what you do. So I'm fine with losing you as a reader, uh, honestly. So I just want to make sure that the, you know the website. Uh, works fast and causes no technical issues for us. And really, I got to invest my time and resources where the people are. Therefore, it makes the most sense for us to get rid of this integration. We tested it for a couple of years. Didn't really work out, and it's fine. We'll go back to... You'll still be able to find, in theory, uh, Mac stories in Apple News, but it'll just be the standard RSS-powered look for blogs who have a a basic Apple News channel. Mm. That's it. 
Okay, so mm-hmm. you'll be able to still get the stuff, but it's not yeah. going to have all the fancy formatting, effectively. Which is not that fancy, really. <laughs> when you, I mean, That's true. Mac Stories, uh, Mac Stories has a full text RSS feed anyway. It's not like if you if we go back to RSS in Apple News, you will get a, like less content. Mm-hmm. You still get the full text. You still get the images. I guess you won't get some fancy animations and, I don't know, the ability to change. I mean, yeah, you will still be able to change the font size. Yeah, okay. You're not doing the animations, though, are you? No, we're not. So, really, uh, what we were getting were, like, the sections, like, the, there were some special formatting for, like, pull quotes and that kind of stuff, but really, it's not worth it. Honestly, I don't even know why I really wanted to test this, because I guess I wanted to give it a first shot, and at the time, it seemed like it was going to be a big deal. Turns out, my feeling on this proprietary platforms mm. is always correct, and I should always listen to myself. These things never work out. So, yeah, going back to RSS. Good old, trusted RSS. All right, should we take a break? This episode of Connected is brought to you by Pingdom. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how good your content is or how effective you are at your marketing, they're going to bounce if your website is loading too slowly. With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance issues affect your visitors' experiences, so you can take action before your business is impacted. How your visitors experience your website differs depending on the browser, device, and platform they use. You can identify how visitors are experiencing your website so you can make informed optimizations to deliver great performance to those who matter most. And it's built to scale. Real user monitoring is an event-based solution, meaning that you can monitor millions of page views without compromising the fidelity of your historical data or breaking the bank in the process. Get live visitor insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial. There's no credit card required. And when you sign up, use the code CONNECTED at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and Relay FM. I have some really important real-time follow-up, guys. Uh-oh. And I guess this is a thing that will follow us throughout today's episode. So Apple just released the betas of uh, iOS 13.4, iPadOS 13.4, Xcode 11.4. Oh, it's my favorite. WatchOS and Mac. Well, hold on. I mentioned it for a reason. So on iOS, it looks like folder sharing is back uh, with iCloud Drive. That will last for another 0.1 beta. File pinning is not. So you can still you can now share a folder. You can still not pin files to the top of a folder. Over the weekend, friend of the show, brother of the show, really, John Voorhees, sent us a screenshot (laughs) of uh, a file name called test36520.txt. This was something that he said to us uh, had been replicating a, a file had been replicating and it was up to iteration 36,520. This was a file that was a test document in a shared folder that him and Federico have in iCloud Drive and he just randomly caught it. So that was the state of iCloud Drive over mm-hmm. the summer that for some reason this file was, had replicated itself 
only on June twelfth, thirty six thousand times. So mm-hmm. hoping they're testing mm-hmm. testing it strong over there. Uh, I bet John's fault. It's always John's fault. John has the weirdest bugs of anyone I've ever met. Right, go figure. Do you remember the thing? I I still laugh to myself thinking about the uh, shopping list problem that he had. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I, I think about it a lot. Uh, I I actually can't remember the last time I laughed so hard. Uh, I will find this and put it in the show notes. It's I will also provide real time follow up once I have found this, and then I will read the the the, the shopping grocery list. But uh-huh. but yeah, okay, okay. So as I was saying, there's a big news related to. Xcode 11.4, coming directly from really friend of the show, Steve Troutensmith, developers can now create a universal purchase for Mac and iOS apps. One purchase, both the Mac app and the iOS app together. That seems early. That was supposed to come out in two years, I believe, uh, in in the Catalyst roadmap. It was not supposed to come out now. So if you have a Mac Catalyst app, you can now, in Xcode 11.4, you can mark it as a universal purchase and you can distribute it as a universal purchase so that you can buy uh, you can buy an app once. So you buy it on the iPhone and if it's universal, you get it on the iPad and you get it on the Mac. That is big news if you use Catalyst. And again, uh, in the original report from German back when Catalyst was called Marzipan, uh, I believe this was supposed to be a 2021 feature. Uh, yeah. So this it just doesn't really make sense as to why you would do this now. Uh, it's a pretty big burn if you're you know you bought a Mac app separately already because the stuff's only been out for what is it like four or five months but maybe they're just not happy with how little action there's been or maybe they've heard from developers saying this is holding us up so i don't don't know this is one of those things that's funny to me of like why would this hold people up like do you think that there are that many developers that are like, oh, I can't do this because of my customers will have to pay again, so I won't even think about it? I mean, I I, I would think that most developers actually want the opposite. I don't know. Like, I'm just kind of... That's, that's what I'm thinking, right? Which is it's strange to me. I assume some people would, especially subscription apps, right? Right. Because that's that's a bit more of a problem, I would expect. Which is the majority of... Or and if it's not the majority of apps, it's definitely where things are going. Yeah, I, I don't know. It is early. Like why and why would this be in a beta mm-hmm. like a point release? Like why not wait at least until June? Even if you're gonna be early and have it at WWC where you can talk to developers about it. It seems very odd that it's just kind of lumped in with these other changes. It's enabled by default for new Mac Catalyst apps. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. It's enabled by default for Catalyst. I don't think you have to use Catalyst. I think it's enabled by default for those, though, which makes sense because if you have a Catalyst app, it's also very likely that you have an iPhone and iPad version. Right. Not many people are like Steve John Smith who wrote a solitaire app in Catalyst without an iPhone version. Yeah, but this is interesting, right? Because I know you were saying this, but like I'm reading it again myself. Like some of the text talks about just macOS app, like not even Catalyst. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, we don't notice, right? Because we're just like reading this is happening right now. But it seems like potentially you may be able to just have a Mac app with a universal purchase now, which is yeah. As long as you as you use like the same bundle ID, uh, even if you don't use Catalyst, say for example, and I'm just imagining things here, but like the Icon Factory folks for Twitterific on the Mac, which is a standard AppKit app, in theory. And again, in theory, they should be able to offer a single universal purchase. And I know that maybe the Icon Factory folks do not like universal apps, but to prove a point, like even if you have a standard Mac app, uh, you should be able to have a universal purchase that uh, you, you buy it once and effectively it runs everywhere, which is really one of the big features that we were, you know, two years ago and last year, we thought, oh yeah, Catalyst is going to enable this. And eventually Apple platforms are going down this road of a single purchase and it runs everywhere. Now, the fact that you may not have to use Catalyst even, it makes it all that more interesting to me because like, yeah, you can use Catalyst and you can sort of kickstart your app by you know, translating it from the iPad. But also, if you want to go to the traditional development route on the Mac, you can still offer a universal purchase with the with the with this new feature, which is like an in the, like not even a, this. To me, this feels like a WWDC announcement, but instead, it, like it's a February feature release. Robert, here's my here's my my thinking to the WWDC audience: Would this be positive news? Mm. I don't know if it would be, right? Like, maybe you wouldn't want this to that crowd. I don't know if this is positive. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like, because I feel like a lot of that crowd are, I think, understandably, unhappy with the fact that they don't have a lot of options to get people to give them money. And this is removing another option and or setting another precedent, which is that all apps should be one purchase. Clearly, this is Apple hmm. trying another way to convince people to move to the subscription route, right? That like, we think that all apps should be one app, and then people give you money every month. And like, if they're trying to set another precedent of bundling them all together, it pushes people down that route, which I think ultimately is probably the the right way to move a lot of software, potentially. Like, we've spoken about this in the past, right? But, I mean, we've all seen what's been happening over the last couple of weeks of Fantastical. So, like, this does not seem like a, a, a good message for a lot of especially independent iOS app developers, I feel like. And I would be keen to know via Twitter or whatever, like, if people, if, if developers agree or disagree with me, but I don't know if this would be like slam dunk good news at WWDC. I don't think it necessarily means that Apple wants to incentivize subs subscriptions. I think it means that Apple thinks of apps as a single thing. Right, but but my kind of I think my really the point I was trying to make is like what they are not doing is saying that apps should be per separate purchases, right? Like, basically, right. however you yeah. want to take it, it's not good news if that's your thinking. Right. They're, yes, I agree. They are moving away from the idea of, oh, you purchase the app on the iPhone, then you purchase the app on the iPad, then you buy it on the Mac. No, you buy it once, 
I mean, moving away, that's gone. That time is gone, right? <laughs> like, yeah. That time was effectively yeah. gone, but now this makes it even more official, I guess. Uh, like, that mindset is no more. Now, uh, what it means, it means that developers need to adjust. Like, uh, either you use a subscription model or you make your apps more expensive or you make your in-app purchases more expensive or you split features into multiple in-app, purchase, in-app purchases, which is like multiple tiers, which is something that I've also started to see lately, like multiple versions of paid features. Um, I don't think it necessarily means that Apple wants you to use a subscription I think it means they don't want you to sell <laughs> different versions of the same app anymore. This is big news, honestly. Uh, I was not expecting it. Like, I was expecting this to be a WWDC feature. I guess it makes more sense to do it now. Right. But WWDC feature two years away, right? Because the thinking was... like It's interesting, right? If we go back to the original report, which so far has turned out to be correct from Mark Gurman mm-hmm. about what we called Marzipan then, and everyone said, no, Mark Gurman, you're wrong, but he wasn't wrong, mm-hmm. um, was the thinking that it would be iPad to Mac first, then the year after would be iPhone. iPhone to Mac. Yeah. Also going into the Mac. And then the year after that would be Universal Apps. Now, there is a possibility, right, that's, that this has all changed anyway because of Swift UI, which may have not been known by Mark Gurman's sources, right? But what we ended up finding out after, which is the contrasting thinking from people like John Gruber, is that this declarative UI approach would be coming up. So he knew about Swift UI, but Mark Gurman knew about catalyst those two things didn't go together because those two things don't go together they were set seem to be separate paths being taken by apple and then one ended up coming quicker than it was expected but let's just assume that like even in a swift ui world you would still want this universal app purchase thing right that that still exists because in theory you would be making applications for all systems but nevertheless, like Swift UI still feels like a long way away, I feel like, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not wrong in thinking that. That still feels like multiple years into the future at this point, um, unless they surprise us. But I think that it maybe makes more sense that the iPhone stuff to the Mac, but maybe they're just not doing that. Maybe iPhone Catalyst just will never exist now, right? Like, iPhone apps on the Mac. Maybe that's just never going to be a thing. I don't know. I'm really curious to see now what the, how developers react to this. I don't know. Uh, I think it's great for new developers. Like if you're if if you're making new apps, now you can address all platforms all at once, and you can come up with your own new business model now. But if you're an existing developer, uh, you got to ask yourself some questions of like. How do we want to do this moving forward? Or like, what's the what's the pricing model that we should follow now? What do people expect? Because it, then it all comes down to people's expectations. We've seen how over the years, the idea of offering separate iPhone and iPad versions, for example, of an app, uh, it slowly started to fade. And now, um, I guess the Things is the last really popular app that still comes with separate iPhone and iPad versions because now everybody expects to have a universal version and really when you think about it from a, from an ecosystem point of view it makes so much more sense to have a universal binary uh, like for example take a look at features like shortcuts if you have things on the iPhone 
and you want to use shortcuts for things for iPhone, those shortcuts will not work on the iPad because you need things for the iPad. And even if you do have things on the iPad, you got to set up the shortcuts again because that technically it is a different app. So uh, I think the more we move forward with this idea of like uh, Apple platforms have feature parity everywhere, it makes so much more sense to have app parity everywhere as well. And with the universal purchase, you can do that. Now, is it great for indie developers? I don't... You know, I, I, I think life finds a way, you know, and, and developers can figure it out. I want to be optimistic. I don't want to say, oh, this spells the final, you know, this is the doom of the indie developer on iOS because now we're being forced to to release universal apps everywhere. And I think, you know, I've been writing app reviews for 10 years and new apps are still coming out. New, great new indie apps are still coming out. I think if, if you could keep up with the times, you can still... You know, this is a much bigger discussion, but yeah, I, I I think this is big news, and I want to see the repercussions of this. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about Fantastical. You know, because I think it's just like an interesting barometer right now um, of the way that people feel about stuff. It's just a, it's kind of a fascinating thing to watch unfold. But the you know they would if they were launching that application, you know, like the, if this was Fantastical one point and they they did what they did like it would have been it would have been great right you know like here's a basic calendar app and you mm-hmm. get pro features you pay a subscription it's on all platforms it's like that's kind of the way applications like that launch now you know i always come back to it but i think of timery right basic product but you can pay more and get more features and it launches on i mean i really wish they had a mac app and i hope that they're working on that but uh, you know, that you get it on iPad, you get it on iPhone, and it's like, this is an app, and it seems like that's turning into, I hope, like a, an actual business for the developer, because they seem to update it frequently enough that would indicate that it's doing doing pretty well for them. So, you know, like if Fantastical 1.0 came about today, like it just wouldn't be the same conversation that has been being had over the last couple of weeks. But I also maintain my kind of position on the fact that like, this is probably the only way for them to go. Like the writings on the wall, whether they like it or not, with things like this, right? Like in a couple of years' time, there there was not going to be a business where they could have sell new versions of the application anyway, because they would have to sell two or three separate apps, right, to make an upgrade to make money. So they would have to have created new apps that they would sell, and um, then it would not only just be the complaint of why are you making me buy new applications or why are you deprecating my application or why will you no longer support my application, which is what always happens when developers have created new versions, right? And they create a new app. But it's also going to be, why are you charging me for a separate Mac app as well? So like, mm-hmm. you can see why some of these developers are pushed into the situation where they go down a subscription route. Because like, I kind of think of it as like a like a like a maze, right? You know, like those like outdoor mazes, like grass hedge mazes or whatever, where you kind of are walking down these pathways and they're being shut off for you. 
And so like you go down one and it's like Apple's closed up a pathway. You go down another, customers are closing down a pathway. And so at this point, developers are like going through these mazes, hoping they're going to find their way to profitability out the other side. (laughs) And it's just seeming like it is becoming increasingly more difficult to do it. And this is just another one of those where it's like, oh, you wanted to make a, a Mac app, like a separate Mac app? Well, it has to be free now. You know, not like has to be, but like the idea being it should be. Well, you, I, yeah, I guess you should take it into consideration. It's a very different mindset now, right? Uh, because when we started, you know, when I started Mac Stories, when you guys started doing podcasts, it was a very different mindset on the App Store. Like each app was its own thing, was its mm-hmm. own purchase. Now, if you're starting out or if you're an existing developer and you want to rethink your your business model, it's it's not anymore like that. It's more of I should price my apps, whether it's an in-app purchase or a paid up front or a subscription, accordingly to these changes. Like maybe it shouldn't be, you know, $4.99 on the iPhone and $10 on the iPad and, and $19 on the on the Mac. Maybe it should just be, I don't know, $15 everywhere. And I know that... It, it, if you add up the numbers, it's it sounds like you're making less money, but also you may have a bigger market because of this, because of a universal app that you know runs on all platforms. You may have more users and therefore make up for the difference. It's a very different approach, which I know that some long-time developers will not accept. Uh, but this is what's happening. You know, I think it, from a user's perspective. It's what I like. It's what I want. Like, yes, it totally makes sense. I have a single app and it runs everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know. I guess I want to see what happens. I think the next few months will be interesting. I think we'll see some existing apps t- start taking advantage of this. By the way, also additional real-time follow-up. Michael, you will be happy to hear this. You will be able to bundle iOS, iPadOS, macOS, and drumroll TVOS apps hey. yes. in a single purchase. I love it when my platform of choice receives information. <laughs> and these will be available starting March 2020. So it looks like these new versions of all the OSs are coming out next month. And by next month, you will be able to distribute iOS, iPadOS, macOS, and tvOS versions of your app as a universal purchase. I definitely see this as like, I know it's super early to do it, but you know there's like every... Every little while, there's like a oh, and WatchOS too. Sorry, and WatchOS cool. There is like a thing where you're like clearing the decks before WWDC. You know, like you have these stories, you just want to get them out. This isn't exactly the same, but this is 100% a WWDC announcement, right? Like Mm -hmm. through and through. This is a big change to developers. We need to have some sessions, but like I genuinely look at this and I'm like, I think that this is unpopular. And they want to get it out and they want to put it in front of people and let people calm down before WWDC. What was the thing that happened? Was it the price, the subscription price changes? Yes, it was just before WWDC. So they, I mean, that that was like a week before, right? Like or something. The Verge had like a big article and it was really cool and they spoke to Fuschella and stuff. But that was like, get it out now. Let's not completely upend WWDC this year. And I think this is maybe a similar-ish type thing. Maybe, I don't know, but like this could have at least been mentioned at the last WWDC, right? But like it's it seems like a weird thing to do it in March. 
Like it's just like very strange. And to to like, oh, here's just an up beta update to Xcode. By the way, in the new features, it's a completely different business model for you. Uh, <laughs> good luck, right? So it seems like a, a curious. A curious thing, and or if like you know something like SwiftUI is closer to being done than we expect, and they want to spend more time talking about that, so they're getting stuff like this out of the way. But this is just like a really weird thing to do now. Strange, very strange, all the way around. Can I ask you both a quick question uh-huh. about thirteen point four? Because we 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 really moved past shared folders quickly. Mm-hmm. I have it on my phone, so ask away. I'm running it right now. It's more of a. a conceptual question Uh uh-huh if this comes out in ios 13.4 yeah you're gonna you're gonna use it because i don't want to no i don't want to switch from dropbox i know my dropbox shares folders work very well like because i have been doing this for over 10 years right like Uh i know that they work very very well indeed i don't know if i feel like that iCloud Drive is going to work very, very well indeed immediately. And this is nothing on Apple's development team, but we're just talking about, like, tenure here, really, right? Like, Dropbox know how to do this. Dropbox's entire business is built on reliable syncing, and even more so than ever amongst teams, right? So, like, their shared syncing system has to be rock solid because that's all they have as a company now. Like they make the majority of their money with the Dropbox for business tools, which relies on multiple people sharing files. And I just don't know how reliable iCloud drive sharing folders will, will be immediately because it just, it's a new thing, right? So I don't know under what circumstances I would trust any like, real sensitive important information to right now yeah i am not gonna use it right away for production purposes especially because dropbox works really well uh and you know it's got so many more features that go beyond uh shared folders uh file requests and being able to restore deleted ver- deleted files with an actual ui within dropbox and to browse versions of files within Dropbox, the Files app still has about 30% of the features that I want from a modern cloud-based file manager, you know? So I could use it for something simple. And by something simple, I mean maybe sometimes, like for example, just now, I just a few minutes ago, I needed to share a, a few SVG files with Sylvia. And I, the easiest way for me was because Sylvia doesn't, you know, we, we don't share like a Dropbox workflow or anything. And, and we don't have a shared folder. So the easiest way for me to send those files was to send her an email, <laughs> the old fashioned way. <laughs> uh, but really, I could imagine a scenario where like for these like th- almost throwaway files, I just throw them in a folder in iCloud Drive, in the Finder or in the Files app. And I just share that real quick with a link and I send that to Sylvia and we're done. I wouldn't use it for production purposes. And by production, I mean like uh, where I store the drafts for my articles that other people can read or to share audio files for podcasts. You know, I wouldn't do that, at least not now. 
maybe in a few years if it works really well. But for now, I'm sticking with Dropbox. That said, I think there's going to be some convenience to have this feature for those quick files that you want to share with somebody, but you don't want to put them in your Dropbox. So maybe yeah, I'm going to say personal files for personal use. I sort of see the utility of that, but not for professional uses. Yeah, I just can't think of anybody that I need to share files with that I don't already share a Dropbox folder with. Right. Right? Like, mm-hmm. I would just put... Or, or otherwise, I just airdrop them? Yeah, but airdrop... See, that's my issue. Airdrop does weird things depending on the file type that you're sharing. Sometimes I want to share... A PNG, for example, with Sylvia. But if you share a PNG with AirDrop, it gets saved into Photos. And Photos does not work well with PNG files because it gets rid of the transparency of those files. And there's no way for me to share a PNG and for Sylvia to say via AirDrop, okay, yes, receive this PNG file, but please save it into the Files app, save it into iCloud Drive, not into Photos. Oh, it's so bad. Like, you know, you know or like the, the, the UI when you get like a PDF and it's like, here's every single app on your system <laughs> in yeah. a completely unsorted list that can accept uh-huh. this folder. Which one do you want it to go into? Mm-hmm. And like my thing uh-huh. is, none of these, like I want it to be somewhere else, right? Or like mm-hmm. you, somebody sends you a zip folder and it's like, I don't know. Like, why do I, why do you want me to put it in like Google Drive? No, I just want to like open, just open the folder, because I don't even want to save the folder. I just want something from inside of the folder. It's just like, what? Do you, what is, like, this is a, I hate that UI. It's so bad. It's like, imagine, imagine if there was like a system setting to set defaults. Hey, hey, hold on. You're just crazy no talk. Whoa. Whew. What? Yeah. What is that? Yeah. I mean, I just had something like this today where somebody sent me a uh, a PDF but for some reason, it, it didn't have like the .pdf file extension, and I opened it on my iPhone. And it's just like I can't open this, and I went to my Mac, and it was like immediately opened in preview, and it's like, yep, okay. Yeah, I have no real desire to move away from Dropbox either. I've got my whole infrastructure in there, and the sharing is really good, and it lets you share things with people who aren't iCloud users, right? And mm-hmm. the world is bigger than just people with iCloud space who pay for iCloud space. So I don't really see this changing anything about the way that I work. Yeah. And it's like all of the features, like I use the, um, I use selective sync on some machines and that new, I can't even remember what it's called. It was called project infinite, right? Like where you just have nothing downloaded Mm -hmm. and you just choose what you want downloaded. And that actually works really well. Does it still do the thing where if you're – so I, I had that on for a little while and then I'd go to like export something out of Logic to Dropbox and it would basically lock up the machine until it had figured out what was in that folder. It's like, come on, just just um, do it. I've never done what you just ex- yeah. what you just explained. But like there is things that were like if I open – if I like say I'm in Pixelmator and I want to drag in an image, it would just like wait for a second while it's down – because what, what else is it going to do? But – they're all for me like expected weights. Yeah. Okay. You know, like if if I'm if I want to preview this file and I drag an audio file into Forecast on my Mac Mini or whatever. Right. Like I know it's going to take the time until it downloads this file first. Um, but I've never noticed when. Oh, you know, like I've saved things to folders that aren't downloaded and it hasn't been a problem. Cool. Maybe it's improved. I mean, I used it when it first rolled out, and and now it's not an issue because I have a giant SSD in my in my tower but um it is a cool feature and yeah i I just my dropbox is just like too large to install on every machine like i don't want it 
right? Like on all my machines because it would just be madness, right? Like I'm saving so much stuff in there now. Like most of, except for my iMac Pro, I think my Dropbox account now is larger than any SSD I have, <laughs> right? Like it's more than I have on, it's definitely more than I have on my MacBook Pro. It might be more than I have in the Mac Mini even because I, I keep a lot of stuff in there. I, everything, I keep everything in there. Um, but it's all backed up. Don't worry. I use Backblaze and that's fine. So it's great. But it is good to see Apple returning to its list of features from iOS 13 that did This it. is a feature they, they should have. Yeah. Right? And it should be great. And I'm and I think that they like can make it great because they've had these problems in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Like notes and reminders and stuff like that, which is things that were really unreliable and they made them reliable. But like my point isn't that they can do this. I just would just not trust it immediately. But I am pleased that they didn't roll this one out until they're comfortable with it. Right. Because it would have been a disaster. Yeah, this has right? to go well. Right. You can't yeah. you can't do this and people lose lose files or, you know, the sharing spontaneously break or anything like that. Yep. You know, it's like uh, in notes. I mean, when you had the the initial sharing in the new notes app where you could just share one note and that was kind of janky but i gotta say like the where you can set up a folder and just any note you create in there gets shared automatically like that's been really solid for me and oh i think i should do that because i've been having just like me and Nadina have this problem all the time where like we share notes of each other like single notes and it shows to her that i am on it right but i have never seen the note in my entire life yeah so, so what i did was i created a folder same thing for uh, myself and Mary, and we, I went through and basically all the notes that we had individually shared, I put them all in that folder and told it, share all of these. It's a little bit of work. I'm going to do that. But now if I create a new one, there's no song or dance. If it's in that folder, it's automatically shared. And that gives me hope that maybe they have like folder sharing stuff figured out. Like the, the code bases are probably totally different, but like they got it working in one place. So I'm now optimistic about a second. But let me ask you though, is it possible to see all of your notes at once if you use folders? Yes. If you go up, well, on the I'm just looking at the Mac. Uh, if you go to the all iCloud section, you can see all, in my case, all 353 notes. Right. Okay. All my notes are in folders. I have uh, two, four, six, eight, ten, fourteen, uh, like twenty something notebooks. Wow. Or folders, I guess. Yeah. See, I don't have any folders. Oh my god. How do you live? Well, if by searching, I search. Everything. Everything needs to live in a folder, Mike. No, it doesn't. Doesn't. That's not necessary. It's funny on my Mac. My uh, on my phone, it says that it's folders. Uh, so my my note, sorry, is is uh, iCloud, right? But on my Mac, it says Mobile Me. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's one how that's my default notes account. How have Mobile you done me. that? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just what it is. That's incredible. I have additional real time follow up. Okay. Um This is a wild episode. We're like throwing the document away as we go. I love these ones. There are no changes that I can see in shortcuts, no improvements to the notes, reminders, actions no design changes or fixes that I can see because MusicBot still does not work from the share sheet. And I just tried to edit MusicBot by dragging an action around and the app crashed. But like, look, you need to appreciate that that, applic- that, that shortcut is not a good test shortcut 
because it's like a billion actions. Or maybe it is a good test shot. Because... <laughs> okay, you know what I mean. It's like the most outliery outlier of like over a thousand actions in a note or whatever, uh, actions in a shortcut. It's not fair to the app, but sure, I get your point. Mm. I've been mm. building some real good shortcuts recently. Yeah, you showed some to I'm me. so happy with myself. They're all time tracking related, so like everyone's favorite type of shortcut. But I, I, I'm... I'm really, I'm just like, I'm having a great time over here building mm. shortcuts. An additional real-time follow-up. Uh, oh, my word. There will be some unification of App Store categories across the iOS and Mac App Store. You may say, well, that's boring, but I will bring your attention to something that is very subtle for now. I don't know if it's pointing at something new down the road, but there's a bullet point in this Apple uh, blog post that says you will be able to select the following categories for iOS apps graphics and design well I mean duh okay and developer tools I mean if the app store is becoming uh, a consistent layer across all of their platforms these moves make sense over time that you would want it to be as close to a similar experience no matter where you are but developer mm-hmm. tools on iOS is a peculiar thing if Xcode mm-hmm. doesn't exist, like because it's the yeah. most developer Well, I mean, maybe they'll maybe they'll be. stuff stuff like Working Copy or sure, maybe it's just JSON. That. Maybe it's just, just that. those two apps. You know, you click on it, it's just Working Copy. It's like, well, <laughs> I re- coming later. <laughs> no, I mean Working Copy and and Pythonista and JSON and Scriptable. It's we're up to four now. I mean, now there's there's uh, the you know Korea. And the, the, the folks who make Korea have a new shader yeah, like app for... Yeah, six. there's a bunch of them. Six. It is not untrue that other developer applications exist, developer tools exist, but like it is a, you know, it just, it could add more to feel to the fire if that is your particular conspiracy theory, theory flavor, right? That like mm-hmm. the, the Xcode has come into iOS. I really think we should... We, it's time for Xcode to come to the iPad. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Real time follow up, and then we're going to do an ad because I love this document. This, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> With the public release of WatchOS 6.2, you'll be able to offer in app purchases directly in your WatchOS apps. Ooh, okay. So users can get premium content, subscriptions, and more right from their wrist. Who asked for that one? I don't know. Anyone? Can anybody raise their hand? Honestly, this this feature was made for underscore. Yeah, more moons in Geneva Moon. This is a lot of developer stuff for like a point release. Maybe they're uh, they're getting them all buttered up, and then it's going to be bad news at WWDC. It's bad news, by the way. Xcode has been deprecated. Welcome Swift Code. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this is just weird. This is just like a weird list of stuff. It is. Okay, we're gonna take a break. Because no, no, we need to take a break. Because I didn't get to do a real time follow up. You can do it after this break. Real time follow up. Nine new break. Memoji sticker types. Yes, we have seen those, but no, but no one said it yet. Well, I was waiting for the break. Real time well, follow up. Minor tweaks to the TV app. You don't know how podcast podcasting works. That's as a true. Business. Actually, you're supposed to take the break. It's okay. your company. All right, take the break. I'm not supposed to tell you this. All right, this episode of Connected is also brought to you by Health IQ. At some point over the last couple of years, you've probably created or maintained a healthy habit, things like getting enough sleep or working out or just trying to eat the right foods. If you live a healthy lifestyle, you could be rewarded for your hard work with more affordable life insurance rates, and you could save up to 41%. 
Just take the Health IQ quiz, and they'll walk you through the entire process of applying. The policy is underwritten by their one of their top insurance partners, and there will be a real person at the other end of the phone who you can talk to. The savings are exclusive to Health IQ. You won't find them anywhere else, but you do have to qualify for that special rate. Over the last couple of years, I've really spent a lot of attention on what I eat and exercising on a regular basis, and it's amazing what a difference it can make. And with uh, Health IQ and the Health IQ quiz, you can really uh, explore that stuff in greater detail. To see if you qualify, go to healthiq.com connected to take the proprietary Health IQ quiz. Depending upon your score, as well as other qualifying factors, you can save up to 41% of your life insurance premiums compared to other providers. Once again, that's healthiq.com slash connected to let them know that we sent you and to start the process with the Health IQ quiz. There's no commitment and you'll learn even more about potential opportunities to be rewarded for your commitment to healthy living. One more time, that's healthiq.com slash connected. Our thanks to Health IQ for their support of this show and Relay FM. Real-time follow-up. Steve Chan Smith is looking at a bunch of new APIs. Uh, included with with uh, 13.4 on our platforms. A uh, s- couple of potentially interesting changes. It seems like there's a new API for detecting um, key up and key down Ooh, events from a keyboard. That's good. So finally, uh, and in theory, this is supposed to work on iOS and Catalyst. So for Catalyst, this would mean like proper gaming. So, you know, if you want to play a game, a Catalyst game from a keyboard, uh, key up and down events means you can now, you know, use controls like standard WASD and that kind of stuff to play a game. And if this is correct, and this if, if this is true, we don't know yet, because literally the documentation just went up. On iOS, maybe there's going to be potential for having shortcuts that do not require you to hold down command. Again, potentially good for gaming, but also for Productivity apps, maybe. The second one, again, another new API that uh, Steve Chanton-Smith is looking at right now. This is a good day to follow Steve on Twitter, mm-hmm. by the way. You should, any day is a good day to follow Steve Chanton-Smith. Today, of all the, honestly, uh, Steve is an excellent human being. Mm-hmm. So it's always a good day to follow Steve. Today, if you're an Apple nerd, is a, an especially good one. Yeah. New UI date picker style. Mm. It's called the compact style. So maybe Catalyst apps will be able to not have you scroll a wheel. And there's one called <laughs> wheels. UI date picker style wheels. So if you still want your wheels, you can have them. Otherwise, you can go to compact. There's no, uh, as of yet, I'm sure by the end of the show, Steve will have a, uh, a image for us. Uh, but as of right now, we don't know what it looks like. But that would seem to indicate that Apple is, in fact, continuing to do the work on Catalyst that has been asked for, which is mm-hmm. good. This is good news, right? And there's a bunch, very good news, and there's a bunch of other changes that uh, Steve and other developers in my timeline seem to be very excited about. Um, better keyboard integration everywhere in general. Um, mm. So yeah, Steve says that uh, somebody's listening on Catalyst and they're doing more to uh, bring UIKit uh, from iOS to the Mac. So it seems that the general reaction so far in terms of Catalyst changes for developers is good. So we and I remember just a few uh, weeks ago uh, we were discussing here and you, Mike, with Jason on upgrade. Like, 
where does Apple go from here with Catalyst? Is it something that they're just forgetting about because the future is SwiftUI? We're actually getting a bunch of updates now in February. Now, is it a good sign? Does it mean that SwiftUI is not the future? I think it's a good sign. I still believe that SwiftUI is the future, but maybe Apple is not ready to commit to just one future yet. SwiftUI is a lot, right? Because for a lot of developers, you are asking them to learn a new language. And that's going to take time. So, you know, like developers that have been, who have not yet gone over to join the Swift world, like it's going to take some time for them, I think. So I, th I think it's a lot to ask for. This is definitely an easier thing to begin with. Yeah. And I think honestly, at this point, that's it for the real time follow up. Well, for now. For now. Should we go back to regular follow-up? <laughs> it was beautiful until it was, until it was over, but the real-time follow-up. Second episode of ATP over here. We, just, we haven't finished follow-up yet. I'm not familiar with their work. That's a, it's a tennis competition. Mm. Hmm. Mm. Federico, you had some uh, iPad Pro problems. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I broke my iPad last week. That's good news. I I shattered my iPad. I finally decided to switch to a real computer, right? So you just broke it over your knee. I am now using a Microsoft Surface. Oh, nice. <laughs> the Pro one, which I heard was good. Which one? The 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 X86 one or the ARM one, which is actually called X? Oh, you okay, cool. The good one. Yeah, yeah, I'm all about. Real-time follow-up. Really? Again? iOS 13.4 features a new mail toolbar. <laughs> of course it does. <laughs> Fixing the... I, I, for the first time yesterday, opened mail on iOS 13. Oh, yeah. Look at that. It's and new. Because I wanted to uh, print a, a... like I wanted to get a PDF of a mail uh, because it was just easier because I was, it was, I was using it on my iPhone, using two different mail apps to do a thing. It's like a whole thing. But I wanted to just use the mail app to get a to create a PDF. Turns out the way to do that is to press the reply button. Yep, everything is behind the reply button. I know I know that like this isn't new to anybody else, but like what on earth made them do that? I mean, honestly, not that this new toolbar would seems to to help that situation any less, but hiding everything under a reply button. Like I like the UI when you press the reply button. Like it's a nice UI under there, I think. They've broken things out quite nicely, but just choose any other button like design reply doesn't make any sense like you get to forward by pressing reply now that, now that's just bananas right like oh i want to forward a message well I'll press the reply button first like that doesn't make any sense and also when you press the reply button you don't reply you have to press reply again uh-huh. Who? Did the person who made that decision ever use mail before? Like, that's not that's not anything. So I don't think that this will fix that, but it at least is changing some of the design. But there we go. I got to do a real, real-time follow-up. What a fun episode of outdated information by the time anybody listens to this show. <laughs> Maybe we just don't edit it. Maybe we just put it out just, just <laughs> as raw as possible. Just, uh -huh. Yeah, we're not. We're not ATP, so. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So you broke your iPad. Yeah, so my I, I broke my iPad. So I was I was just casually walking around my apartment. And because I do not pay attention to my surroundings, I tripped into the cable, the USB-C cable that was charging the iPad. And so the iPad flew across the kitchen and it landed on the floor. 
Now, the iPad, as we talked about, was inside the Switch Easy cover body case and also inside the smart keyboard and had the paper-like screen protector on. So when I first looked at the iPad, and it was late at night uh, and the lights were dim, it looked like nothing happened. Like it wasn't like the, the glass wasn't shattered. I was like, oh yeah, it's fine. Thankfully, like nothing happened. And the edges of the iPad were protected by the case. So I was like, yeah, I got lucky. Uh, nothing broke. The next morning, when I got to work uh, with sunlight and, you know, it was, it was much, much brighter, I looked at the display and I saw this relatively thin uh, line running across the bottom right corner of the iPad. Mm. Fro- so from corner so from the basically it was like an entire corner of the display in the bottom right section had broken but it wasn't like shattered like when i really shattered my ipad pro two years ago it was like broken glass everywhere but i could tell that it was no scratch it was actually broken so i removed the paper like Mm. and sure enough as soon as i touched the display in that area i could feel that the, the glass was broken so is it safe to say that the cover body does not provide much protection? <laughs> okay, so I went to the so I went to the Apple store. Uh, I have Apple Care Plus on this mm-hmm. iPad Pro. It's the one terabyte model. Um, so the guy looks at the iPad and sort of asks me how did it happen, and he told me that he believes that the case made the. Um, the impact less bad than it could have been. Sure, sure. He, he, he says that if you had no case on, like the whole thing would actually be shattered uh, with multiple okay. pieces of broken glass. Instead, and it, it was just a single line, like a, a single thin line of broken glass. Mm-hmm. And because of that, he said, okay, so because you obvious, obviously had a, a case on, and like we can tell that uh, the the glass is broken, but it could have been worse. And because we cannot see any damage on the edges, on you know the aluminum be- uh, edges of the of the iPad, we are gonna give you a replacement totally for free at zero euros right now. So we're gonna replace your iPad, and we don't even want the uh, base um, replacement fee that you're supposed to pay with Apple Care Plus, which I believe is, is around fifty maybe 70 euros. That's cool. So not even that. Zero euros just for free because I had a case on. Whilst I'm happy for you, I'm not sure I follow their thinking here. Their thinking here is that Apple Care Plus covers accidental... So this is my in, uh, interpretation of their thinking. Apple Care Plus covers up to t- two uh, accidents uh, with your device. So uh-huh. up to two repairs with accidental uh, for accidental damage. Now... the iPad Pro, they don't actually repair it when you shatter the display, they give you a new one. Uh, This has always been the case for me. Even two years ago, when the display was shattered, they just give you a new one, a replacement one. But you got to pay the basic replacement fee, which, again, I believe is 50 euros. Now, because... so, And this is where my interpretation is. Because uh, it wasn't like completely shattered and because it was obvious that i had a case on and because it was the one terabyte model 
the guy was like, oh, you got the one terabyte model. Uh, and he told me, basically, nobody buys this one. <laughs> because of these reasons, <laughs> I believe it was like, yeah, we're going to give you one for free right now. And I was like, oh, you have it available right now? And it's like, yeah, because nobody buys the one terabyte version. <laughs> so we have one in stock always, all the time. Nobody wants that. Um, so yeah, uh, I have a new iPad Pro, which is the old iPad Pro. I restored from a backup and it's fine. And uh, yeah, so that's the story. It was cool though. Zero euros, totally for free, same day replacement. That was cool. Is it possible this is because you're famous? I do wonder this too. No, no. Yes. yes. How confident are you that these people don't know who you are, Federico? I am confident because uh, he saw the work email address and he said nothing. Usually they comment on something like, yeah, I read Mac stories, I'm a fan. Usually they what say you, something. What if you have like a, like a flag on your account or something? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that I don't know. That I, that I don't know. The Federico Fittici is yeah. You you don't know you you know you don't have to do this to me, especially in public on a podcast. Do you use a Mac Stories email address when you sign up for these things? Oh yeah, I do. That's the power move. Yeah, yeah. See, well, you you but so you're <laughs> you can't be like that. You can't be like, oh, don't do this to me because you. Well, <laughs> look, I'm telling you, one hundred percent. Even if they didn't know who you were, they saw that email address in their queue, and someone looked it up. They one hundred percent knew who you were. You can't be like, oh, don't do that kind of thing to me when you you want it to happen to you. Yeah. You made it happen to you, nobody else. Yeah, but I make it happen in the in the privacy of my home. Wait. What? And and what? You know, like, <laughs> no, but like I do it. I do it myself. I sign up with my work email address, and I don't yeah. talk about it. Right? It's not like I want to be recognized. And I was like, yeah. Do you know who I am? No. Like, if you notice, fine, and I'm happy. If you don't, don't people typically use their personal email addresses for things like this? Yeah, I do. So I'm. So I don't run into this. Well, my excuse is that the work email address is also my Italian Apple ID. Well, don't you need your, ideally, your Italian Apple ID when you fix your iPad in Italy? Exactly, exactly, which is why I... Oh, okay, how convenient. I signed up for the Genius Bar with the Italian Apple ID. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it would have looked like uh, Federico Viticci who lives somewhere in America. Uh, actually, I think, I believe my name is John Ticci uh, with a fake Apple ID uh, with the US account. <laughs> it would have looked like John Ticci was visiting from the US and trying to fix an iPad in Rome. Why is it, why so, is it John Ticci? <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? I don't know. I, I I wanted to make something recognizable, but also obviously fake. Did you? Uh, did you? <laughs> did John do something? Did you make John do something? No. Well, John helped me out with details that I will not share. The things he has to do for you. <laughs> <laughs> He's a oh, good friend. <laughs> Yeah, so obviously I wanted to use the Italian Apple ID, and the Italian Apple ID just happens to be the work email address. Just happens to be. Mm-hmm. Happens to be. It's not like I, I planned this. Mm. <laughs> oh, I got one of those iVisors, the uh, matte screen protector thing. Oh, yeah, that's also what I should have mentioned. The the Paperlike can go away forever. That thing is junk uh-huh. compared to this. Right, I it, know, right? How uh- does it have no bubbles? Exactly. So you didn't believe me, but it has no bubbles. Just you put it on the display. It seems impossible. I don't. I don't know. It's it's chemistry, man. Chemists do weird things. And I like that it's got like black edges. It makes it easier to line up. Exactly. So because I had to remove the paper, like, and I needed to 
put on a new screen protector, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to order another iVisor. I immediately ordered one for my larger iPad. Yeah. Like, so, it's, fant- it's absolutely fantastic, this thing. Like, I, I have no idea how it is so much better than the Paperlike, uh, but it is in every single way. Do not buy the Paperlike. Buy this one instead. Like, it's fantastic. So good. If, like, because as mm-hmm. well, like... The paper like doesn't make it feel like paper. It just adds a texture. And this thing adds a texture too. Like, it's great. It's brilliant. So I also put in the iVisor on my big iPad Pro. And now I now have the iVisors everywhere. So I will say it adds a texture. It's not the same texture. Like, the paper like is definitely more textured, right? But, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know why people buy the paper like for the texture thing. I just don't think it it does what you want it to do, right? Like, if you want it to actually feel like paper, it it, does, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like paper. It just has a texture. Paper comes in all forms. So, you know, <laughs> I have paper that's as slippery as an iPad glass screen, so and that's the best paper I own. So, you know, we're now talking about paper, so we should probably take a break. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Bowl & Branch, the folks who make the softest organic sheets and luxury bedding. We got a set of these recently, and you know it's going to be like a fun deal when the unboxing experience is as incredible as this was. It was like in a box, and you untied it with a ribbon, and the sheets came inside like an inner container, so they were like safe and snuggly from uh, shipping. I've got to say, we've had these on our bed now for a couple weeks, and they're fantastic. Like They are really, really great, and it's because they are made with uncompromised quality, with attention to detail every step of the way. These sheets are meticulously crafted from pure 100% organic cotton. They're such high quality because of this organic cotton. It's a long staple cotton, which means that these bold and branch sheets will actually get softer over time. Uh, they're the only bedding loved by three U.S. presidents. Can't say that about the sheets you have right now. <laughs> And if you didn't already know, Bowl and Branch really are the good guys when it comes to ethical manufacturing. All their factories prioritize workers' empowerment and sustainable incomes. 100% of that awesome packaging is made from recycled paper, and they're the first manufacturer of linens to be fair trade certified. You really need to give these a try. Shipping is always free, and you can try them out for 30 nights risk-free. Right now, you can get $50 off your first set of sheets at bowlandbranch.com with the promo code CONNECTED. Go over there now and upgrade your bedding. You won't regret it. One final time, bowlandbranch.com and the promo code CONNECTED. Our thanks to Bowl and Branch for their support of this show and Relay FM. It's B-O-L-L. B-O-L-L and branch.com. Mine arrived today. I haven't opened them yet, and now I'm extra excited to do that. I want to be one of those presidents. Well... There's some issues with that, but that's fine. Does it matter anymore? Anyone can be the president. Easy. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it does have a point. (laughs) We've moved like 90% of the show document into a heading called the Topic Graveyard, but there is one that we still have time for, and that is this awesome Watch OS 7 wish list. Does someone want to tell us about this? Yeah, so this is created by uh, Matt Birchler. Mm-hmm. Who we've spoken, I'm pretty sure we've spoken about one of uh, Matt's uh, concepts for WatchOS in the past. Yeah, he's got a great blog. He does he does really good work. 
like it's a beautiful blog too. Like uh-huh. it's a very I've never seen a uh, personal blog that looks like the way that Matt's does. So it's worth going. And this article itself is actually very nicely laid out with a lot of great UI mockups. This is a very good job. And Matt seems like somebody who is very focused on watchOS. Um, because the information that they put together in this, it like there are parts of it where it's like, I never would have thought of that, but that's actually very smart, right? So I want we'll run through some of these. We can maybe take each point as we go, or we can you know and talk through, through a bunch of them. Uh, some of these seem like great additions. Some of these seem like great if it was a different company, because it really doesn't feel like uh, that Apple would do them. You know, uh, but let's go through them anyway. So, more options and more customization for activity rings, basically allowing you to customize the activity rings by adding in your own health things that you want to track. I think this is really smart. So, let's assume because we're going to get sleep tracking is another one, right? So, sleep tracking is another feature that Matt asks for, which just seems like logical. It would be wild if they haven't if they don't do it in the next either watchOS version or hardware version. But let's say you have sleep and then maybe you also want to track like your breathe mm-hmm. or something, right? Like Apple are adding increasingly more health things that you can track. Like if standing or moving or activity is not necessarily the thing that you're most caring about right now, wouldn't it be nice to to customize them a little bit? Seems like a good idea, I think. I like to see this go as far as third-party applications being able to do their own. So something like Waterminder, you know, which you can do as a complication. Yes. Like, why couldn't I just add that as a ring? And if I don't care about the others, sort of downplay them. I think this is a fantastic idea. I think any health thing that can have a goal related to it Mm -hmm. would be great if they could tie it into activity somehow. It should really be a ring API for developers. I agree. Like... Uh, Waterminder, really excellent example. I would swap that for uh, the stand uh, ring right away because I have Waterminder on my watch face and it's the, really the one ring that I care the most these days, like hydration. So I would use that immediately or maybe in addition to. And then yeah. I would like to have a second, like so I could have two on like complications, right? One is my activity health rings and then one is like a set of rings for productivity things. Mm. Right? <sighs> So yeah, I could have nice. like, you know, but like those rings could go down the other way, right? It's like, <laughs> like, I, like how you, I like how you say like it's a dirty secret. Well, because like, you know, <laughs> they're not going to let me do it, but I hope that like there will be an API. <laughs> Why are you whispering? They're shush. There could be like an API and then like enterprising developers could make what appear to be health related things but they're actually not that at all and it's actually how many emails you yeah reply to today yeah <laughs> why not gamify gamify your life gamify friend. your life oh he's back don't know he's back he oh my god a steven mr he's back again um editing workouts on the phone so that just seems like yeah why not right like being able to right. have more control over your workouts on the phone if you you know if the watch didn't pick it up correctly or whatever you know that seems fine uh this one is a st- I'm sorry Matt this is a stretch web a web UI to export activity data into CSVs doesn't seem 
I I don't think this. Like, I get the the, the idea, the argument. Yeah. I get the idea. Uh, it doesn't seem like something that Apple would do. No. Um, you know, they enabled, I believe, uh, sharing your saving your Apple card statement as a CSV. Yeah, yeah they did, yeah. Uh, or, uh, so maybe there's some kind of precedent for no, this. No, 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 but no. To have, that, but to have a whole web UI for The reason they did that is because people were getting in trouble with their accountants. Like, the, right. if you have a credit card, you need to have exportable statements. Like, you, act, it, was in, it was bananas that they had to add that, and it wasn't just, like, a default feature. Um, I think they had PDF stuff, but, like, accountants can't do anything with PDFs. Right, you can't put a PDF into your account and software, right? Like that's not how it works. Like you need to have a CSV for it, and so like I assume that they would that their support teams were just getting like lambasted with these requests, so they put that in there. Uh, unfortunately, there are no health accountants who require CSVs. I believe they are called doctors, though health accountants. Health accountants, Federica. That is an incredibly <laughs> good joke. You you will never get enough credit in your lifetime for how clever that was. Uh, that was very good. Uh, rest days. I can't believe they haven't added this. Like rest days to your activity rings. You need to be able to to lose a day, right? Like if someone has a two thousand day activity goal and they have the flu, they don't deserve to lose it. Yeah, it's your fault for going outside when it's cold, right, Federico? <laughs> oh no! Why? Wow. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, like I honestly, ch- I honestly challenge you to walk outside in the cold mm-hmm. and then tell me that you don't get sick. A couple of days later, like, like I'm not every, sick like, right now, and I've been in a, in a really cold keep, environment. Keep moving on. Week. Just keep going. <laughs> right. Better responses with smarter default replies and scribble autocomplete. I read you a quote that I like a lot. I feel a tap on my wrist. I look at my Apple Watch. I see a new iMessage has come in. I read the message and immediately drop my other wrist to grab my phone so I can actually respond to the message. I thought this was going to be the John Gruber original review for the Apple Watch. No, 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 no. The default... Okay. Res- so, like, I will say... my This is my uh, thing here. The default responses inside of the Apple Watch messages app make you sound like a serial killer <laughs> if you respond with any of those, right? Like, okay, or yes, or no, or thank you. Nobody, except for Jason Snell, texts like this. Mm-hmm. Nobody sends messages like this, right? Just okay. Mm-hmm. Who says okay with like n- Nobody. nothing, no emoji, nothing? It should the the watch. This should be actually throughout all of iOS, right? Like the quick type bar should be doing this too. Learn how I type, and with machine learning, and give me responses based on that, right? Like you should be learning this stuff from me. Create a, like one of those machine learning data set algorithms out of my own messages mm-hmm. conversations, right? Like you could do this. This doesn't seem, I mean, it's not easy, but it doesn't seem like at least starting to do that would be difficult because there is no such thing as a smart reply on, on, in any of this stuff. It's all madness. Nobody communicates in these ways. So I, I completely agree with, with Matt. Like the, there needs to be more there. And you can customize them in the watch app, but those defaults are they still can responses. Yeah. They still can, yeah. right? Like even if you're customizing them to make them less like you are a person who hates everybody else in their life, right? Because they're the only, you know, typically if you just reply with the word no to a message, it means you hate the person that you're responding to. 
Um, I need to tell people why I'm getting distracted right now, and it's because Stephen is texting me quotes from John Gruber's original review of the Apple Watch. We'll put it in the show notes. You can go check it out. It is impossible to 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 read things from a document when you're just getting notifications of this. So I just want everybody to know this is happening to me in my life. My, my favorite part about this bit of the the WatchOS article is adding autocomplete to the Scribble deal because I, I don't know about y'all. I use the Scribble keyboard a fair amount, especially if I'm, I'm in a position where I can't reply with my voice. And it is really frustrating to like spell out every single thing. It's like you have like it, it already is is guessing your word to a degree because if you make a typo, it kind of corrects it for you. It's like just surface this so I can type three letters and select the word and move on to make it faster. It, it really is annoying that that's not there. This is If this is all that's in the next version of watchOS, I would be happy. I like that scribble thing. I do too. Uh, the ability to have shortcuts, actions that perform watch functions. Oh, like, yeah. Would be nice, mm-hmm. right? Like being able to turn on the theater mode or something. Um, that would just be really good if you could do that. Uh, you know, the thing that will be asked for forever, third-party watch faces. Uh-huh. But I really like, it's not going to happen. I really like, and this is kind of a thing that I've been asking for for a while, but it, but Matt puts it in a much better way. Some kind of like build your own watch face tool in the watch app. Give me a bunch of things that I can put together myself. Let me build something. This is a computer. Let me customize mm-hmm. it more. So that would be kind of cool. Uh, a weekend getaway mode that disables most of the Apple Watch's smart features. So you're basically just left with time, some really important complications and messaging notifications. So you can basically still wear the watch that you like, but it being more chill. If you are like really busy and you don't, and you, or like you want to be busy with life, not busy with work. iPad and Android sync. I mean, mm-mm. yeah, no, it's not going to happen. The the way that they will deal with this situation is just making the Apple Watch completely standalone. Mm-hmm. Tying it to more devices feels like a backward step, I think, for what Apple want the iPad to be. I mean, I think they, they would more clearly like it to be just a completely standalone thing, right? Yeah. And better always on watch faces, uh, making them look more like the on watch faces, right, that they're meant to replicate. Um, and I really like this, the idea of showing timers. Like if you have a timer running... Show it on the on the like always on watch face. Oh my god, yes! What a great idea, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Because yeah. you can still like a timer is only going to run for a period of time. Just let it run, like let it refresh every second, like the watch face can during the period of time that the timer's running. Mm-hmm. It's a great idea. Well, and and on the iPhone, if you set a timer, it gets added to your lock screen. So like, just put it somewhere on the watch face. So this is a really great article. Like Matt goes into way more detail than we have. Um, but it's also like a really beautiful article. So I, I, I really recommend that people go and go and check it out. But I think that this is, if you say like somebody who really understands watch OS kind of breaking it down and explaining the types of features that they would want to see. Is there any more on this? I would love to see more workout related things. Uh, I, I believe I was talking about this a few months ago on Twitter and maybe on the show, uh, it would be nice to have automatic workout detection. I still think it's something that Apple should figure out at some point. Uh, they do have the automatic workout detection, like uh, taking a walk or, you know, the, like the basic stuff, like you're running. But to have that expand to more workout types. Uh, like, I think you're doing X type of workout. Yeah, 
Yeah, okay. that would be great if they can figure it out somehow. I do believe that Apple acquired the company that was sort of working on this years ago, and then nothing happened. I mean, I, I guess maybe what happened was the automatic workout detection for walking and running. Maybe that was it. I don't know. And also, it'd be nice to have built-in support for um, high-intensity interval training, uh, so you, you don't have to download those... Uh, uh, dedicated apps from the App Store. It would be fine to have, like, it would be, it would be great to have uh, a built-in um, high-intensity mode in the in the workout app for the watch, and to be able to set your metrics and to set your intervals. That would be that would be nice to have. Um, personally, in addition to this and the and the rings, which I think is a really good idea, shortcuts is something that I think Apple should do a better job at restoring on the watch because i think there should be a uh, there should be a shortcut app on the watch they should bring it back uh running those uh siri commands or those suggested shortcuts on the siri watchways which by the way i've never seen myself i don't think it's a good experience i think people just want to have a, a way to set certain shortcuts to run on the watch so I guess what makes the most sense is to have a shortcuts app and to have a complication that launches the shortcuts app and then you have shortcuts that you can run with one tap. Literally what the workflow app used to be on the watch. Yes. But, you know, bring it back, uh, make it run on watchOS 7, whatever it's going to look like. And I believe shortcuts users will be happy. All right, before we wrap up today, I said I'd come back to it. I did find John Voorhees' broken grocery list. Okay. You have to go and read it, but like just some... <laughs> So, like, one of them is just... Can I take a look at an image? Is there an image? Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's in there. Uh, I'm going to put it in the chat room, too. One is just the word juice, like, a million times. Just juice, 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 With a subheading of pomegranate, 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 pomegranate. And then the word butter. And then bread, 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 bread. And sometimes the B in the bread is capitalized and sometimes it isn't. And then the note says Italian, Italian, Italian. Sandwich, space, sandwich, space, sandwich. And then sandwich, Italian, <laughs> and then peanut butter peanut butter peanut <laughs> and the milk pepper 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 butter oh, comes back again <laughs> oh man <laughs> what was he doing this brings me so much joy I think he was using like an app that tied into reminders but was also oh a grocery God. list right <laughs> He's always using apps. He's always using what? apps. <laughs> what I like about this so much is the inconsistencies in the repeated data that makes it more right. funny to me. Like the Italian sandwich one just says Ita <laughs> That's like, the best part. Italian, 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 no space, right? Then sandwich, space, sandwich, space, sandwich, space. And then all one word, sandwich, Italian, Italian, Italian. Like it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Look, he really wanted to buy that bread and make an Italian sandwich. Peanut, butter, peanut, butter, peanut, butter. <laughs> butter peanut. And then butter comes again later on. Oh my God, it's so good. Pepper, pepper, oh. pepper, pepper. <laughs> Uh, it's like uh, uh, every time I look at this list, and I have looked at it many times, like I find something <laughs> new about it that I enjoy. Pomegranate, 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 pomegranate. It was very good. It was very good. Thank you, John, for sharing this tweet many months ago. I'm going to retweet this tweet again. It's just like one of my favorite tweets ever. Oh, my God. Oh, dear. I'm done now. Okay. If you want to find links to 
whatever this was, they're on the website at relay.fm slash connected slash 280. If you want to leave feedback or follow-up, you can email us from that page or you can find us over on Twitter. Mike is on Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E, and he's the host of a bunch of shows here on Relay FM. You can find Federico online as Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. Unless you're in Apple News, sorry for you. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH and my work at 512pixels.net. I thank our sponsors this week for making this possible, Pingdom, Health IQ, and Bowl and Branch. And until next week, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Adios.